0: Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke. And I am Pastor Kier. And this is the Uncut Podcast, where we have uncut and honest conversations about faith, life, and ministry. Um, This week, we get to share some kind of, I don't know, a mile marker for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of exciting over the course of the last two episodes, we've broken uh, 2,000 downloads or listens across mm-hmm. all the platforms. It's so. awesome. Yeah. Um, that was kind of cool to find out, realize that we'd had that many that people listen.
1: Yeah, right. That's a lot of listens. Yeah. So, so thank you. Thank yeah. you for, for downloading, watching, listening, commenting, rating, sharing, subscribing, all that.
0: Yeah. So. so we know that there's a faithful our group of you that listen fairly regularly and when you get the chance and mm-hmm. um, whether you're just popping in every week or uh, when you get the chance to, we appreciate you taking the time to kind of uh, hopefully you feel like you're joining in on a bit of a conversation here. You yeah. Know, we hope to feel hope it feels like you're just listening to some friends kind of talk some things back and forth. So
1: that's what we want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And continue to want you to be able to engage with topics that are important and pertinent in your mm-hmm. life. You know, through our through our text line, you know seven one six two zero one zero five zero seven.
0: Very good. We got it memorized. Memorized. Finally, I I've been
1: gone here for ten days too, and I don't even have my sticky note in front of me. So, yeah. Um, but you can you can text us questions to that line anytime, yeah. or you know, if you have our if you have actual access to us, then <laughs> you, can always you just always just ask so, ask us or, or text us on our actual numbers. So. Yeah.
0: But yeah, so you went on a little vacation. After little vacation, yeah. That episode we talked about Sabbaths and vacations, right? So.
1: And ten days, and uh, part of the first part of the, those ten days was camping with my family and at our family campground and, in Randolph, and uh, we had uh, we fought the rain a little bit. Last week was quite a rainy week, but yeah. it ended up being okay. And uh, I don't really get cell phone reception down there, so. Nice. It was nice to be able to unplug and get away for a little bit and um, and then um, back uh, in the weekend and still had, you know, five or six days that I had planned to take off just at home. So cool. it was nice.
0: Yeah? Yeah. That's cool. Well, I mean, it's fl- funny that you say like no cell phone reception and being mm-hmm. able to unplug because that's kind of the topic, at least I thought we might uh, kick around today is sort of... I don't know exactly where it's going to land, but kind of talking about like the impact of technology and social media Mm -hmm. and thoughtfulness around that, you know, Mm -hmm. with just even as what it means to be human and to live a, Mm. a balanced life, but then also just like how that impacts us spiritually and stuff. You, um, a couple weeks ago now, three, four weeks, maybe it was almost a month ago, I guess you gave a sermon on, starting in mark and your big Mm. idea was like the retreating and spending time with the Lord. Yeah. Seeing Jesus's pattern in the gospel of getting solitude and time away. And at least in your application of that sermon, you spent a significant amount of time lamenting the negative impact of having a buzzing, uh, tab of glass next to you. Um, and that's impact. And then I've, over the last uh, two weeks or so I've been reading a book that um, it's been fa- fairly easy to read, fairly well written and researched book uh, called Stolen Focus um, kind of it's a little bit more broad than just technology. it's just kind of examining all the all the reasons why perhaps we're having more difficult time uh, paying attention and giving our focus to things but he spends a significant amount of time talking about the impact of technology, social media, phones, like, um, and it's fairly well re- researched. I don't agree with all of his conclusions. I think he's a little bit biased in some regards, but it's a book I would recommend just pretty much about anybody to read. I think it's mm-hmm.
1: a... Stolen Focus. Stolen Focus mm-hmm.
0: by, I believe, jo- jo- Johan Hari. I believe I'm saying his first name correctly, but... Um, so it's a a good book but mm. that's all been stirring all this in my mind so i thought today would be a cool day to talk about some of that
1: yeah i think we should do it but uh, <clears throat> it, it feels like a lifetime ago that i preached that sermon i um but i do you know the the main point which you already kind of mentioned it was just that like jesus was willing to lay aside what the world thought his priorities should be and what were what was important to the world so that he could spend time in solitude with his Heavenly Father. And how even in our own lives where we maybe seek solitude with the Father, we do so with probably what is I don't know maybe the television maybe you could say that the, the mm-hmm. TV the television is the most distra- has like in our generation or historically been the most distracting technological advice or device yeah
0: um
1: but but
0: you can't carry that with you outside
1: right i think that that you know now in mm-hmm. the modern day world 2023 yeah. i don't think that there's any doubt that um, the most pervasive technological distraction not even technological distraction technological device yes that the world knows is the cell phone right or the smartphone
0: yeah like if you were to look look through time like as tar- as far as like media communication and technology intersection there's like the printing press maybe radio yep television smartphone
1: yeah. Like, or the internet, or the inter community. internet, and yeah. then smartphone. Right. Like, yeah,
0: you know, um, like those are like, like historians will always be talking about these things and the impact. Like, you know, our grandkids will be reading textbooks or history textbooks talking about when the development of the iPhone was released and like how it impacted society and all that stuff. Like, yep. it will be a thing. Like, to us, it's just so immediate that we're just like, oh, it's just kind of normal. But, like, it has been so earth-shattering to the way that we live life. Like, it will be in the history books in 100-plus years. Yep. Yeah.
1: I remember early in high school uh, having classes called Computer Lab.
0: Oh, Yeah. Learning the type on the computer yes. as a class,
1: or just learning how to mm-hmm. navigate a computer. Yep, and use its programs mm-hmm. like and being how to use Word. Right, <laughs> just being so overwhelmed with. I remember my first. I remember the first time that I used the internet independently. Used the internet. Mm. I had no idea how to do it. But I had to. It was like like in eighth grade, mm-hmm. eighth or ninth grade, and I had to write a report on um, for history on some aspect of slavery, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how. And, and one of the research tools we could use was this thing called the internet. <laughs> so I went to the library and I sat down at the computer, mm-hmm. and I opened the internet.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and.
1: and I was like, what do I do now? And so I typed in (laughs) www.slaves.com. What did that bring up for you? It was not what I thought it was going to be. That was my first introduction to the internet. I was trying to do a very innocent report on slavery. I got an education that day, not in slavery. However... (laughs) I said all that to say that my first experiences with things like the internet and computers, which I thought was so powerful and, exp- and like expansive, this little device here, yeah, blows those things out of the water. Oh, yeah, for accessibility, power,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like utility, um, and so just. Like the, the curve. Well,
0: oh, the exponential curve yes, of technological like, advance. Exactly. Like uh-huh.
1: it, like if you if you go from like no printing press to printing press, or like printing press to digital media. Right. That
0: curve is really right. wide. Right. Because like printing press was I don't remember the date was back in what fifteen hundreds, fourteen hundreds, fifteen hundreds I think with like the Reformation and yes. all of that. And then it took us until when, till we got to, like, digital distribution of media?
1: I mean, you I know. guess it depends, like, large scale, large I would scale. say, in the, ne- in the last few decades. Right. Like, you know, maybe in the last 25 years, quarter right. of a century.
0: But then if you talk about the change, uh, so that's a degree of change. Like, the printing press advanced, obviously. Right. And it got better and better, and we got to mass production mm-hmm. books. But then, but that was a fairly slow level change, right? And right. then you get to digital media, and how much digital media has changed since its advent to now. Like
1: Crazy! Gross. We've had
0: more change since the the internet has changed more than the printing press. Like the internet has changed more in the last three decades. Than the printing press did in several centuries.
1: Yes, 500, 500 years. Yes. For sure. You know, I remember my first cell phone. Well, I remember my per- my first personal cell phone, mm-hmm. but I remember the first time I encountered, like, a mobile phone.
0: Yeah, I remember my mom's brick.
1: My mom had a bag phone. <laughs> oh. Do you, you're familiar with bag phones? I, I've heard of them. I, I don't yeah. think
0: I ever saw one as a kid.
1: It had a, it was, had a cord.
0: Mm-hmm you
1: know and the bag was like a little suitcase and then it had a cord on it with an antenna that you stuck out your window and it was a magnet it had a magnet on it Uh and you stuck it to the top of your car (laughs) (laughs) and you and that's that's,
0: like some vietnam war era like communication seriously (laughs) seriously
1: and i always wanted to like make a phone call on it and my mom was like we absolutely cannot unless it's a dire emergency cuz it's so expensive then, to make a call on it
0: why did you have it <laughs> my
1: grandpa my grandpa <laughs> bought my mom one cuz she was a single mom okay right he wanted yeah, her to yeah. have you know yeah. that but and then i got my first self i mean just think about the amount of time i'm not that old right so think think about the the curve in technological advancement even in the cell phone i got my first personal cell phone when i was a sophomore Mm -hmm. in college yep so that would have been 2002
0: yeah i think i got mine late high school
1: no i'm sorry i got my freshman year of college that would have been 2001 okay 2000 2001 yeah but at that point i didn't know how to enter phone numbers into like the phone book on the phone Mm -hmm. you know how you press like 1 3 times to get to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 right, so you got to go like go through the numbers. Yeah.
1: So everyone's I couldn't even store anyone's number under their name because I didn't know how to write their name <laughs> on the number pad, right? And so and and now I just say, you know, "Hey Siri, find me the number for Oh, and Siri's
0: about and to do Siri's it." And Siri's
1: doing it, you know. <laughs> um and so and that was 20-ish years ago.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I re- Well, I mean, like, just the small fact, like your very first story, and you said going on and turning on the internet. We don't turn the internet on anymore. It's always on. It's like, alive. It's alive. And that's, that's a distinction. Like, if you're listening to this and you're, you know, so young as to not remember when dial-up was a thing, like, before – there was broadband, and now it's just internet. It's just all. I
1: remember when there was know. no internet,
0: right? But I, re- you know, you had to, you had to click AOL or Netgear or whatever it was mm-hmm. that your Netscape or whatever you were using yeah. to access the internet. It was a specific application. You didn't just launch a browser on your computer like you do now. You click on Google Chrome or something or Safari. You had to click on the. The browser was also the thing that turned the internet on mm-hmm. and could shut off your family's phone line. Um, yep. And and so accessing the internet was kind of like an intentional choice. It was a thing that was on and off versus now our phones both right now are communicating with the internet, updating our... Um, You know, updating our emails, updating notifications, tracking our locations, getting other people's locations of their phones. Like Mm -hmm. all of that's happening just with the phones just sitting on the counter and us not even touching it. Right. That's a very different way of living than pre-internet, you know, or even just pre-smartphone.
1: Right, right. Living. Which is back to the the initial point of like the, the message that I preached in the first chapter of Mark, and the what what I see as like the maybe complexity is maybe not the right word, but um, my penchant to avoid or to not counsel or to lead people towards doing personal devotions or getting time with the Lord. Via, phone, the phone, mm-hmm. or even having the phone in the same room. Yeah, because it is rare the person who is able to ignore the the um, notifications, the pull towards yep. scrolling. We shouldn't be surprised because there are extraordinarily smart and talented people who have even customized notification alert sounds to turn something on in Mm -hmm. the brain that says I must do it.
0: Yep. Right. It, it, it like the amount of social engineering that has gone into like part of the book I'm reading talks about some of that stuff. And I'm like, wow, like that is, a lot.
1: Right. Which is why like it, it reminds me I'm not I'm not too much into like documentary hit pieces like you like yeah. we talked about. Yeah, we talked about Yeah, Yeah. Um but the documentary The Social Experiment.
0: Was that the social experiment or the social dilemma? The
1: social dilemma, I'm On sorry. Netflix? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Was like it was, I felt victimized <laughs> by <Accused>. my, yeah. <laughs> oh, I felt, yeah, yeah, I felt, I felt victimized yeah. by like their like the social engineering yes. of those things to the point where like, I feel, I thought this was like, I was just liking it because I was liking it. Yeah. But no, there, I almost felt like they were forcing me to like it by the way they were designing. And I know like, I'm not. I'm not rescuing myself from personal responsibility, but I think it was just very telling.
0: Yeah. No, like if you haven't seen the social dilemma on Netflix, it is worth a watch. I think it's got some, uh, I think it for all of its production value, I think it oversimplifies a couple things. Sure. It has some biases, some of the same biases that I think are prevalent in the book that I'm reading because the book I'm book I'm reading relies heavily upon the interviews of the people who made that documentary um but it's worth watching it's worth considering that like um one of the interesting studies that like they found is they had like people taking IQ tests some people taking them uh with a phone next to them that would like get occasional notifications and other people with no distractions mm. and there was a measurable score of like i think something between like 10 to 15 difference in their iq scores between being distracted versus non-distracted mm. and to put that in perspective that's a higher difference than if they were stoned versus not stoned taking an iq test mm. so it you would be better off taking an iq test high on like marijuana than you are with taking it with your phone giving you active notifications next to you that's crazy yeah just like what, (laughs) like, the amount of, like, attention shifting that that causes just, like, cause... Because every time, like, people love to kind of argue this point, and I know that you're like, you've had some teacher at some point tell you, you guys can't multitask, and everyone's like, yeah, 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 we can't multitask. I can multitask, right? Mm -hmm. What we're really just doing is quick page flipping in our minds. We can change topics so fast that it almost feels simultaneous but it's not really yep what we're doing is we're expending brain power uh pulling up what was the last thing i was thinking about this particular topic and then okay where am i going to go with that now okay now back over to this thing well, all the while while we've changed topics we're still holding what was just over here in our working memory yep and our like our functioning brain power like diminishes over the day. Like yep. uh, people have talked about how um, interesting study over like the severity of sentences that judges levy out on um, court cases increases with the lateness in the day. Um. So like they found a correlation between end of the day court cases tend to get more severe punishments versus like first thing in the morning, mm. the judge is more likely to be lenient. Brain power, willpower, like those decision-making elements of our thing are a finite resource. And over the course of the day, if we're constantly switching from one thing to the other, we're losing focus, brain power, concentration, we're becoming more foggy, we're expending what is a limited resource we have over the course of a day. Right. So, like, just thinking about that alone, and like what you said, like... How does that impact me sitting down to read the Bible and like I'm opening up, say, the Bible app, a great app that you probably should have on your phone. If Mm -hmm. there's an app that you should have on your phone, I think you should have that one. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're doing your devotions on it and you're getting updates on the sports game or your news or you're getting tweets, Instagram posts, messages, um, like... It it has its own um, – while you have access to just about any Bible translation you could ever want for free, you also have all these distractions that are vying for your attention. Mm-hmm. Even if it is just a bubble that pops at the top of your screen and you swipe it back up, yep. you're still losing some attention and some focus.
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah, I uh, –
1: you know, we we talk a lot about, and in fact, I asked you a question maybe a couple hours ago. You know, like, hey, are you in a rhythm mm-hmm, right now, mm-hmm. or yeah. can we take a break and do the podcast yeah. or whatever? Because there is this sense of like when you, I, I know it's true for me that when I get into a task, it's easier for me to accomplish the task if I don't pause it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, but because to re reboot the creative process or the just intellectual process of getting back into it. It takes focus and time and energy, which is why I think most people will say, or, or at least for me, I think this is probably fairly common is that when you have an intellectual task to do
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that, the, the most difficult thing in the task is usually Starting. starting it. Mm-hmm. And I think I've said this before, that when I write sermons, the most difficult part of writing a sermon for me is the first two or three sentences.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If I can get the first two or three sentences, if I can figure out how I'm going to open, oh. then the rest of it... Comes. It, it just, yeah, it's it just feels like it's there. You know, almost like the Holy Spirit is...
0: Well, it's like... God has something to do with right. it, too. But exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um,
1: and, you know, I think it's it's uh, the the way in which we interact with our phones as well. Um,
0: yeah. It, it's a, well, like, I don't know, there was like a, I can't remember the statistic, but it was something along the lines of ridiculous, like, workers, like, people who do work, rarely get an uninterrupted hour of work done a day like you don't go like i'm sure it was even less than that i just can't remember the exact right you know we um do you have there is such intentionality you have to take if you actually want to avoid being interrupted by
1: you see and that's the thing that's what that's so difficult it's like okay i i i can't get in an uninterrupted hour of work a day, so I'm going to go somewhere by myself, mm-hmm. and just hammer down and focus.
0: Yep. Did you take it with you? I'm not by myself, All right? Because you've brought your phone. Because I've brought my phone, mm-hmm.
1: right? Which ends up being the most distracting thing. Yeah, I have, and so where. Whereas before we we've been able to like get away in solitude and silence. Now when we lead people towards or counsel people towards or encourage them or admonish them or exhort them towards getting away with the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, I think I said in my sermon, I'm okay with you taking your Bible. Don't take anything else. Yeah. Don't take your phone. Right. Right. just because of the you know the penchant for for distraction i've even had times where you know i um you know okay pastoral dashboard confessions here i had in my own personal um goals for the year to mm-hmm. take a quarterly
0: mm. i was actually just thinking about those yeah
1: a quarterly prayer um retreat mm-hmm. and I haven't taken any of those yet. Here we are in the second quarter. Yeah. Um I should do that. We both should. We both should do that. Um and I was uh telling my wife about it and um and she was like all right, I was like, I'm gonna you know, like leave. I'm gonna essentially take my notebook and my Bible, my toothbrush, change of clothes. Yeah. You know? And well, why wouldn't you take your phone? Like, well, cause it's It's distracting. Mm -hmm. It's a temptation to work or to scroll or to do whatever. And even despite what, for me, is the most righteous of reasons, there was like, we had this conversation about like, well, what if you get in trouble? or What if you get hurt? Or what if you need something? Or what if, what if, what if, what if? We both played the game. It wasn't just her saying, you know, like, take your phone. It was like,
0: well, yeah, how if? She needs to get a hold of you. Exactly. How could
1: I possibly survive? Right. How could you possibly survive without your phone?
0: I don't know. Everybody must have just died in fields all by themselves. Lost because they couldn't, they didn't have Google Maps. (laughs) And hungry because they couldn't board. Where do we go? (laughs) Where do we go? You know, like
1: like I need a triptych or something like that from AAA. (laughs) You know, to get anywhere. Um, But. Uh, I don't know where I was going
0: with that, other than to say, well, like, you will survive. You will. Sur- well, it brings up a really interesting dynamic that I've reflected about the phone. Is like it's like what do you use most? There's usually like there's usually probably a gazillion apps on anybody's given phone, smartphone. You probably only use like five of them, right? Like if that. Like mm-hmm. you use you, whatever you listen to music on. Google Maps, probably, unless you're insane and you want to use Apple Maps for Mm -hmm. some reason. Um, Whatever social media you prefer, your messages and maybe your phone and your email Mm -hmm. function. And then that's pretty much it. Like, it's pretty rare. Like, no, I shouldn't say rare. There are other apps. You might have games, superfluous. But like, out of ones that you use, like, the most, right, like, can kind of fit into probably five or seven in that kind of category
1: and you can figure that out by going to your screen time
0: yeah on your mm-hmm. on iphones they have a screen time built-in function you can look and see how much um that's a sobering it's, it's i get a notification every sunday morning of how much me too my what my screen time usage <laughs> was for I'm the week at church yeah <laughs> and i'll look at it and i'll say like your screen time usage was up 25 percent, and i'll like think back on the week and i'm like how stressed was i Very stressed. Yep, that aligns. Like, that feels right. Like, my percentage was up that much because I was that maybe distracted or wanted to be that distracted, right? And we could talk about how we use our phones to escape things. I
1: usually know how stressed out or distracted I've been by whether or not I have to plug my phone in before I go to bed. Oh. (laughs) You know? Yeah, yeah. Whether or not I need to recharge the battery before I go to bed. Right
0: hmm yeah well i think but back to this one point though is that i think it's not so much like you were saying like our iphones are or more powerful than the computers that put men on the moon how much of that computing po- power do we actually use like or need or need need yeah but the thing is is we don't want to say no to the potential Inside of our like, so you're saying
1: that's we don't want to, or that's the existential que- question within us.
0: That's a little bit like when we're asking that question of like, what is the likelihood of even if I'm gone and I go for a walk for an hour, right? You're gonna go for a walk, you're gonna be gone for an hour. Why would you not leave your phone at home?
1: In case I. Someone needs to text me. Someone needs to
0: text me or call me, right? (laughs) I get lost. The chances are is that actually, like as important as I think you are, Cameron, you're probably not that important. Definitely not. Right? Right. And and that's true for me, for everybody. But we all have this like anxiety when it talks about even just leaving our phone in the house and going outside for a limited amount of time, say like a hour or half hour. And I think part of it is is the potential that we're saying no to. Mm-hmm. The, like, well, what if I decide I want to look Google something? Right. Like, it, we're saying no to all the potential power and possibilities that it has. But when in reality, on an average day, we're only using it to, you know, how much of that are we using to just look at, like, funny dog videos on yeah. Instagram? I'm calling myself out right there. Yeah. But, um, mm-hmm. like, we're only using... Yep.
1: Does that, does that book talk at all about the like and i'm not talking about like uh the funny Mm haha but like the actual addiction to
0: no i was kind of surprised he didn't talk about like he he doesn't get into any of the neuroscience or he doesn't get into like the um like the what's it called the gamblers ratio of like um there's a certain so like if you're if, casinos right have figured out and the reason gambling is addictive is because there's a certain frequency at which you succeed uh, that they've like scientifically named like there's a ratio of how many times you can lose versus win that will keep going keep you sitting at the table yep. or keep you pulling the lever so if you've ever wondered or thought or had the illusion that perhaps the particularly the uh, slot machines at a casino are not rigged, they are a hundred percent rigged to pay out a certain amount of times. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is like to keep you sitting there. And so similarly, like, and that's all playing on like our neurochemistry, which I've, I've looked at and stuff. Um, And what it does is it keeps you, So this will be – so people – like a lot of times when you hear people talk about this, they're like, oh, like the dopamine just keeps you hooked on your phone. And that's true, but sometimes we don't actually understand what the dopamine is or what the function of dopamine is. Dopamine is the desire chemical in our brain. It's the thing that encourages us to pursue or to crave the thing that will get us the reward. So – When I find a funny video or something interesting or something novel or new on Instagram, I'm not getting more dopamine. I'm getting more serotonin. But that like reward, that serotonin endorphin reward tells my system to give me more dopamine so that I would keep doing that behavior.
1: So dopamine is the, is the seeking hormone. It's the seeking hormone. Serotonin is the reward. It's the reward. Yeah. And
0: so what you do is you get stuck. You can particularly, like, this This has happened, like, I had to kind of work myself out of a really bad funk after I was sick with COVID. Um, I spent a lot of time on my phone because I was sick with COVID. Um, and then I – but I was like, what I found myself doing is scrolling and And anyone who's binged a Netflix series or spent a ton of time scrolling on their phone will know what I'm talking about, where you're kind of still swiping, you're still watching, but your enjoyment level of it has dropped to almost zero. And and you're like, why am I still here? I'm not actually, like when Mm -hmm. I sat down, I was like, oh, it was fun for like 10 minutes. But then you're like 30 minutes in and you're like, I'm not having fun anymore. I don't feel good. Why am I having such a hard time putting this down? It's because the our brains are like, well, this is such an easy thing to do. And it gives us such reliable input of positive rewards or association for new things, for novelty or, mm-hmm. um, or hilarity or interest or whatever. Because, you know, let's say for like every four TikToks you watch, you stop on like the fifth one. I'm sure there's some sort of ratio like that um and you find oh that one was kind of funny and then you keep going yep and what you do is eventually the reward you're getting kind of tracks down but the input that you're putting in is so low your brain is still just telling you to keep going keep going that dopamine is stuck and you have to kind of like set it away and let your brain to kind of recenter and readjust the things that your brain is encouraging to seek after Mm -hmm. um so that's a Brief explanation of my, at least, understanding of what I've read about, like, mm. the biochemical, neurological, like, addictiveness that phones yeah. can have on us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've often th- thought of it. Well, like, I have an addictive, and th- science sci- science is not clear on whether or not there are addictive, addictive personalities. personalities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I will tell you, and my wife will tell you the same thing, Sherry will tell you the same thing, is that I have an addictive personality. Mm -hmm. And like I seem to be more vulnerable to um, obsession over things, which really is addiction. Um, And uh, like whether or not it's a phone or or whether it was alcohol, or whether it's a hobby, or whether it is whatever, um, you know, I think that there is, there, even anachronistically, there is a sense of a addiction that comes with, people mm-hmm. are, they're acting as though right. they are addicted to mm-hmm. substances that we know that people get addicted to. Mm-hmm but the substance now is their phone.
0: Yes. I, I remember the one, one moment where I saw this very clearly in someone else's life. I've felt it enough in my own life, but I had a, a student in friend in college roommate friend, and he was sick. He was very sick. He wasn't doing very well. I was like, Hey man, like, how you doing? Like, he's like, Oh, good. And he's like sitting there on the couch and he's got his phone and he's like, not looking up to me. He's like, I took enough ibuprofen. So that my headache is not so bad, so I can at least look at my phone and it, the headache be tolerable. Mm. And I'm like, you have like a massive migraine. You're sick, and staring at your phone is aggregate aggravating your migraine. But the only thing you're concerned about is that you took enough ibuprofen that the migraine is tolerable enough that you can keep looking at your phone.
1: Yep, that's a, that is that's addictive that's behavior. A, that's addictive behavior, hundred percent. Right? You know, hundred percent is what what can I do? Like if I put it in terms of like alcohol, what can I hate how I feel? I hate what it's doing to my life. How do I rearrange my life so that I can keep drinking more? Mm -hmm. And then it starts over again. Yep. And then you hate that you're drinking more and how that feels. And so what you do in order to, get rid of the feelings of your shame mm-hmm. is drink, drink more. Yeah. Right. And it, yeah. it becomes, a I cycle. hate, I hate this. This mm-hmm. is, whole, I hate this. What is I hate this. Yeah. I just keep going.
0: Yeah. I, when I find myself, I've, when I'm able to do this, this is a good moment for me. I don't always do this, but if I'm able to, when I find myself on my phone, like, maybe I'm, I'm scrolling or I'm, you know, on YouTube watching uh, people pick locks. Um, <laughs> Lock picking lawyer? Lock picking lawyer. <laughs> if for some reason you ever listen to this podcast, I've watched almost all your videos. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, if I'm, like, doing it and I'm, like, and particularly if there's something else I ought to be doing or I'm doing it to a point where I'm, like, starting to feel a little kind of ick in my gut, around like how much I've been sitting here or I'm hungry and I'm not getting up. Like I have to ask myself, all right, what am I avoiding? Mm. What am I running from? Mm -hmm. What am I trying to not feel that I'm trying to cover up with distraction right now? Ends up being a question I have to ask myself. Sometimes it's like a a project or a task at work that I'm like feeling anxious about feel nervous about i'm trying to procrastinate on i don't want to do this because i'm nervous about it or i'm not sure i'm going to do a good job right like if i can name that i'm fearful of something or i'm avoiding something or if i can name like i'm stressed about something or i'm trying to kind of like unwind i'm like okay what can i do besides numb out to you know social media can i call a friend Mm -hmm. um or more to the point can i pray to god about it Mm-hmm. Um, rather than just trying to ignore it, mm-hmm. um, can I actually take it somewhere that's meaningful, purposeful, and like redemptive? Yeah. Rather than just trying to stuff whatever feeling it is, I'm trying mm-hmm. to cover up with my social yeah. media
1: use. And that takes an an extraordinary amount of self self awareness.
0: Yes. And like I said, I don't always do and that. Focus. Right. If I'm able to do, and sometimes I'm able to name it, and I'm like, I don't care, and I keep scrolling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. You know, um, that. it is, but it's impacting like it, it's for something that has become so ubiquitous. I feel like we sometimes just don't talk about how much of an impact it's had on pretty much everyone. Um, yeah.
1: Because, well, because it's not been stigmatized. Mm-hmm. It's, it's normalized. Mm-hmm. There's, we talk about addiction because we're able because it's not a it's not a normative like we go back going back to alcohol. We can talk about alcoholism because it's not a necessarily normative human experience. Right, it, it exists relatively on the fringes of our lives.
0: Yeah. Well, everybody's always kind of said, "Well, yeah, like if you're using alcohol to this degree, that is not appropriate." Right,
1: but we've. Completely normalized.
0: Being on your phone five plus hours a day.
1: Yes. Yeah. In fact, it's kind of n- weird not to be. Yes. You don't have social media?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Like what? Yep. You know, or uh, this is so funny. I was actually, <laughs> when I was mindlessly scrolling early this morning, um, not, winning, not wanting to get out of bed, I <laughs> came upon a real of Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Ooh, the Arnold.
1: The Arnold. The interviewer, it was an interview, absolutely astounded. Arnold Schwarzenegger does not have a phone. He's got a hard line in his house, but does not have a cell phone.
0: Sounds like an 80s action hero. Yeah.
1: He has an iPad. And, and she was like, well, how how do you get phone calls? And he's like, and he's like, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, well, how do you talk to people? He was like, I have an iPad and I use FaceTime. He was like, I would rather look at someone in their face to talk to them rather than have a phone and all of its trappings. Mm -hmm. And well, what if they don't have FaceTime? FaceTime. Then I am not going to talk to them. I won't be talking to them on that media, essentially, he no. said. And she just could not like, you could tell it was such an aberration mm-hmm. that she didn't have a box to put it in. Like, like he was some kind of like circus sideshow freak <laughs> for not having a phone. Right. And and so to say, you know, like, well we we have completely normalized completely normalized the use and by extension overuse of that form of media mm-hmm. or form of technology that to not participate in it in the way in which everyone else is makes us the weird ones
0: well and and so this this is like Most of us have taken for granted that apps like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever social media you prefer to use, YouTube, um, doesn't cost you anything monetarily. Well, we could make an argument it costs you something monetarily, but it's costing your time. Um, But... Um, it doesn't. You don't typically have to pay a subscription fee. That seems to be slightly changing. There's some options for subscriptions in some of those platforms now, but you're we're like, oh, it's like a free thing. And actually, one of the interesting arguments that the um, that the author in the book I'm reading, one of the things where I think I would probably disagree with him a little bit, is he kind of says, well, maybe what if we treated social media? What if we treated Facebook like a social uh, like a social utility? like plumbing or like, like sewer systems and waterways mm-hmm. and things like that. Like, you know, we have government bodies oversee like sewers. Like, why don't we have government bodies overseeing um, the internet and overseeing social media as like a social utility that everyone has a, has a human right to have access to. And my, my problem with that is I was like, I like, like, I think humans exist off of social media, and I think they probably should. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it actually should be necessarily treated as a social utility that people have access. And there's a whole bunch of things that I would want to have. I, I don't know that I would agree with in his particular solution and conclusion in that direction. Um, but, like, one is to simply say that, like, you don't actually have to be on social media. Right. Um, it does cost you something. It costs like you're paying social media with all of your biometric um, interest and profile information. All your advertising
1: wants and needs. All
0: your advertising wants and needs. Like, look, if you were under the assumption that big tech does not have like multiple profiles of you that connected that have connected all of your accounts, all your email accounts, all your social media accounts, like, why do they ask for your email account when you make any profile? Well, because then it knows which, knows to connect you to that profile. Mm-hmm. You're all, and even if you've got multiple emails, I guarantee you, they've got all those emails connected to you as an individual. Mm-hmm. And then they know what types of videos you like to watch. Uh, and then depending on the type of like uh, stuff that you like, if you use fitness material and stuff like that, they might even know how healthy you are. They know whether or not they need to be advertising you health medication. They know what life stage you're in, if you're getting married soon, or if you're getting ready to have kids. Like, the amount of, like, when I started getting, when I started getting engaged and everything, the amount of content I got that was geared towards, like, couples... Like, newly newlywed people on the internet, like...
1: That you sky- did not search for.
0: I did not search for, got yeah. skyrocketed. Yep. Right? And of course, because I'm, like, in that stage of life, I watch more of it, so it fed more of it. But it knows, like, and I'm sure they've got an algorithm out there that's looking to say, you know, somebody who's, like, maybe a diaper or baby food advertisement or something like that. Like, I'm sure, or better yet, I'll probably get like the advertisements for like the camo baby carriers or something like mm-hmm. that. They're like, okay, we want to look at people who were recently married this many years ago, and we're going to send them these types of advertisements that are geared towards like mm-hmm. people who are thinking about having kids. Yep. Like, that is 100% the reality. Yep. Um, the, the book talks, they're, they're interviewing, he interviews several people who worked in big tech. And then have left because of their consciences convicting them over how they were using people's information and stuff. And while the book, the book makes the assertion, because if you've ever like said, like, I swear my phone must be listening to my conversations. It's because it is. Well, they say it's not. They're assert- they're like, they they swear, they're like, your phone is probably not listening to you. The algorithm is actually just that good. Mm-hmm. It actually has that much information on you that it can make predictions about you without having listening to you. That is the conclusion that they they put forth in the book. yeah. So if you think that using social media is not costing you anything, it 100% is. Because if they have enough information on you, they're definitely selling you things. And you're definitely paying in that way. Yep. Um, And you're also just paying in loss of privacy and all of that, if that's a concern to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But all that to say, like, I don't think that we actually have to be on social media. We do that. The human, like the human brain, (laughs) uh, like our, we, we kind of cap out around a hundred like semi-close connections. A hundred, 150 is about like, where we kind of like cap out as far as having semi meaningful personal relationships. Um, some people can probably have more, but like, and I'm not talking like close friendships, you can't have 150 close friends, but like you can have 150, let's say 200, like meaningful acquaintances in your life. Social media, like, gives you access to thousands. If you've been on Facebook as long as I have, like, you have an inflation of friends that do not actually represent meaningful connections anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I remember when I first got on social media, it's like, I'm only going to say yes to friend requests of people who are, like, meaningfully connected to me. Well, I was in high school, and, like, mm. that – who those people have has changed – and then slash, I gave up on that, you know, thing. I just right. say yes to a bunch of friend requests because I met them once.
1: Well, because people will say that that's the benefit of social media,
0: right? But yeah. you, you actually can't take advantage of it. You're, you, we don't have the intel, like we don't have the brain bandwidth or the emotional mm-hmm. bandwidth to maintain even that many relationships and connections. Right? You're supposed to maintain the about as many connections as you can tolerate in person Mm -hmm. because about 150 to 200 meaningful acquaintances is about what you can tolerate for like in-person connection. Mm. And so like, what are we doing when we're demanding ourselves to, or trying to expect that we do more than that? Mm -hmm. Um, And you end up with these weird parasocial relationships and everything. So, so I don't like, I guess like all that to say that like, I think that is slightly a myth this idea of being, well, I want to be connected to everybody. Yep. Like, well, that's a bit of a myth. Like, you're not really. You have like, at best, like, you should probably just keep a phone book. Like, if you actually just want, like, well, I want to be able to like contact them if I want to s- catch up with them someday. Okay, keep their phone number. Keep like an email address. Do you know of my, theirs? Do you know my phone number? Off the top of my head, no. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know my wife's phone number off the top of my head, camera. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, 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 I know the zip code because I just typed it in several times yeah, yesterday. Yeah, don't need to, right? So. But I don't need to, you know. But, like, yeah. Like, how many connections do you maintain yeah. on social media that, like… That are actually
1: s- meaningful. That are
0: actually meaningful. And you say, well, I don't want to unfriend them because, like, what if one day I want to… Look at their page and actually I mean, gossip all, about what they're posting. We all
1: have people that we have as friends on social media that we, if we see them across the room in in an actual situation, we avoid. Yeah, because it's awkward. Yep. Why? Right. Because we are not actually connected to them,
0: or wouldn't recognize them because yeah. we made connections with them so long ago. Right. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah, we met one time. We connected on social, and then that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. So I don't think I think like that. De- to me, at least, a little bit debunks that personal excuse of like, oh, "I got to stay on social so I can be reached and connected with people." Yeah. yeah.
1: No. Well, we encourage people. Maybe we can put a link in the yeah in the show notes or whatever in the um, description, or maybe even do a fancy uh, thing on the screen here, link to that book for you.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I'll also I'll share like something that I have been doing personally, like in my own kind of trying to navigate my relationship with my phone. Um, (laughs) What? What is so funny about that? Is this that I anthropomorphize your phone? Like, just trying to manage. It's a
1: difficult relationship. It's really complicated. Kind of an on again, off again relationship. Really?
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She keeps talking to people behind my back. Uh (laughs) you the way we talk about it oh man we live in such a dystopian world sometimes um but like uh you can do things like set app limits on like your your thing i've been using an app called um by the way, none of this is sponsored. Um, this is it just. It can be if you it can are. be if you are the developers of these things. Uh, you can <laughs> you can definitely pay us. for Yes, this. Um, <laughs> I'm using an app called Opal. I've been using it like maybe the last month or so. It's a little bit more advanced than like the inbuilt Screen Time app on iPhones. Um, you've got a little bit more features and stuff. But what I've got it, I'm I'm not taking full advantage of it. But I do have a basic setup so that during the weekdays from essentially like midnight until one o'clock in the afternoon, all of my social media apps are like off limits blocked. So that means, cause that's when I get my most productive amount of thought and work time done is between like morning hours to like post afternoon slump. And so by putting a limit on it and that I cannot open those apps during that time, um, Allows me to be a little bit more focused. I've I I had it on for a couple weeks, and then I took it off and did a couple days of work without having it on, and my productivity just went, Mm -hmm. just dropped. So it actually did benefit me. And there's like different levels you can like block it so that you can take a break for a couple minutes, or you can turn it off early. Or you can set a block that, like, is unmovable and will not change mm. um, until a certain time. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can do a thing. Like, if you're trying to figure out a way of, like, you want to do, like, that retreat, Cameron. Mm-hmm. Like, you can set it default, have it select all apps and disable them. And then unselect, like, the few that you're like, all right, I need the phone call one. And then, and then that's it. Or, like, phone call on Google Maps or whatever. And those are the only two things that your phone can do. And then you set a like time limit or a date limit of when that app limit will turn up. And you can set it either at a level where you can turn it off if you want to.
1: Yeah, Are the controls like password protected or something like that? No, they're not password okay. protected.
0: But as su- you know, if you can set it so you can turn it off and that it just says, hey, do you want to take – like, okay, you're going to take a break. How long are you going to take a break, right? And then you can set it for a time limit and it turns it back off and if mm-hmm. you want – Take another break. You can turn it back on, have access to those, or you can set it so it just sends you a reminder and says, "Hey, like you said, you didn't want to be on this." Or you can go all the way to the extreme of saying there is no way to turn this limit off
1: without uninstalling. Without Opal. uninstalling the app. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um. So there's that. There's another. It does cost a subscription, um, which like, you know, if you need another subscription in your life, you know. Um. But. You're also, it, there's a little bit of a psychology thing behind it. I'm paying for it, so I should take advantage of it mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, and then there was another product that isn't released yet, but I find really intriguing. I don't know if I'll get it yet or not. I don't know if it's on Kickstarter, or I'm sure if you Googled it, you could find it. Maybe I'll put a link to it. It's called a brick, and it's this little, little round square brick-looking thing. And it comes with an app, and you set up whatever you want to kind of – you set up whatever things, whatever apps you want to have access to and the ones you don't want to have access to. You tap it to it, and then, whoop, and your phone will essentially become a brick. It will just be able to do only the five or four apps that mm-hmm. you feel are absolutely in necess- necessity. Keep the phone with you, and it is not until you come back and touch that brick – that you can disable that. So, like, if you're going on a vacation, it's a really good leave way... Leave the brick home. Leave the brick home. Tap it. All right, I have now access to my, like, phone and Google Maps and maybe Spotify or something like sure. that. And that's it. And I will not be able to turn that off until I come back home and tap that brick. That's a cool idea. You know, and, like, mm-hmm. the physicality of it, like, yep. brings some, um, you know, you could do that even for, like, if you're one of those people who uses your phone as your alarm, which you probably shouldn't do, Mm -hmm. but I do. Um, Or like, and you're like, like I want to keep myself from scrolling in bed. Like, okay, put the brick outside of your bedroom, tap it before you go to bed and then take your phone with you into bed. Now you can't do anything on it. So now you should just read or whatever. You can Mm -hmm. still use it as your alarm. People can still get a hold of you in the middle of an emergency, but you've limited it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, mm-hmm. so there's there are some practical steps like that that yeah. you can begin to take um, to limit that. And so um, the book uh, "Stolen Focus" would actually he doesn't disagree with what I'm saying, but he would say that like it's uh, too short of a solution because yeah. his his primary conclusion is he's like, well, we have these big companies who've done this to us. And uh, and somewhat maliciously, not necessarily always intentionally, but somewhat maliciously. Um, and now it's all personal responsibility up to fix it. And I think that's an interesting conversation if you want to have it. Yeah. But
1: I, I um, think it's it's similar to the conversation just about like um of yeah, social like personal yeah, personal responsibility. Like do we have the ability to say no?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's like a you know you, we can debate i think his his opinion is is worth considering that like well like yeah maybe we should have companies that are doing this to us mm-hmm. and trying actively to manipulate us to have some limits or accountability on them mm-hmm. i think that's a worthwhile conversation to having mm-hmm. but um i can't make that legislation happen tomorrow right. so in the meantime what's my personal responsibility and right. ownership over the things that I am doing with my
1: time. Or what, yeah. Or what are the underlying issues The why I
0: am? Yes. That's a, I think that's a worthwhile conversation yeah. examining. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple of things I'm looking at and trying to do and kind of my, mm-hmm. uh, to try and curb tail some, not cause I use social media as part of what I do here. At Conduit. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, not all, but a lot of the stuff that ends up on socials, I end yep. up, messing with and so i want to be able to do that and Mm -hmm. i enjoy social media usage within a certain limit there's like a a a, so much time i can spend so much time on youtube before i'm like this is a now a net loss on me yeah you know so trying to live with inside what i feel are like healthy limits for myself Mm -hmm. without just completely turning everything off and deleting it forever
1: yeah moderation course yeah
0: Yeah. and so and for some people moderation is none right you know and that's Mm -hmm. that's a matter of conscience and i don't know i might i might become convinced of that eventually Mm you know so we'll see Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: good conversation
0: yeah i feel like there's probably more there but if you're listening to the podcast uh and you've got thoughts or questions or experiences like drop a comment drop us a message let Mm -hmm. us know like how are you experiencing social media? What's your like uh, rela- relationship with your phone or other tech devices? Like, mm-hmm. um, how's that maybe been impacting your spiritual life or relationships with your family or other responsibilities? We'd love yes. to hear hear more of that because I think um, if we get some maybe some feedback on what you guys are dealing with and thinking through on this topic. I think we could definitely revisit, revisit. This. Yeah.
1: I would say uh, maybe not necessarily a book solely focused on technology and focus and mm-hmm. all of that, but you know, kind of the most recent classic is John Mark Comer's, the ruthless elimination of hurry, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of addresses some of these issues he he goes from a, a pretty wide perspective down to yeah. a, a granular perspective, so you yep. could um, Deconst- pick that book up.
0: Deconstructs the idol of being busy. Yep. I'm just so busy.
1: Hmm. Yeah. As it's as if it's a badge of honor.
0: Hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we will catch you on the next episode. Yep.
0: See you next time.